Hello and welcome to our next Compass Conversation. Today, uh, the group of us gathered here are, are myself, Carrie Lake, Chris Adderson, Terry Keebler, Christine Dixon, and Carla Bauchmuller. I'm really looking forward to this conversation today and really feeling very blessed that we get to share it with our broader community. So uh, before we lay out our starting point for our conversation, I'll read our invocation that we read at the beginning of all of them just to uh, to bring us into a place of, of coherence and um, give us a common foundation or a starting point in our heart as we enter the conversation. These conversations are shared from our sense of connection, camaraderie, and love. This community of peers is curious to learn from and with one another, living, learning, and leading by example. We're exploring together, acknowledging the interspecies family on this planet, while lovingly including ourselves in the family of life, from the heart, for the heart. So as we start our conversation today, um, we we noticed that there's kind of a lot going on in all of our lives, and um, it's just such a wonderful opportunity to share um, with each other. Like, how how do we walk through these moments um, that that we all get to go through in our own way that uh, may not always be comfortable? So, Terry, you had an amazing way to maybe enter and open the stage for the conversation. So I'm going to turn it over to you and, and let you share the thoughts that you were sharing with us before we hit record. Okay. Thank you, Carrie. Um, we're talking a little bit about life happening and, and um, the feelings and, and navigating our way through all of our different emotions. And that, that that's, day-to-day -day living that's what life is about and my curiosity lies in the um misconception that is out there that we are supposed to somehow avoid discomfort or fear or that we're supposed to as good trainers or good stewards for our animals help them to avoid it as well that the horse should never be in any form of discomfort or fear, a state of fear, or we are not doing our, our um, due diligence with them. And that's such a misconception that's out there right now, because I get asked that question all the time is how do I um, keep my horse from being afraid while I progress through life? And you go, well, that's a beautiful question because how do we do that? Life has all these feels with it and there's there's nothing that's negative about fear or experiencing it. It's, it's being able to recognize it as um, a state of growth that whenever you're leaving your comfort zone or expanding your comfort zone, you're going to have feelings of discomfort and fear and how to walk through that. So the, the goal for us, for the self-learning of how do we do that for ourselves? And then how do we mentor others through that? Or, you know, our horses, how do we take them through those stages so that fear becomes a recognizable stepping stone to courage and to curiosity. Hmm. Yeah. I think that, um, I think that how that's showing up for me in this moment is as opposed to it being a horse, it's um, a child. And the idea that 
my child would be experiencing pain and fear and discomfort is really hard. And, and I think that one of the misconceptions that is out there around the idea of, you know, happiness is a choice and that we create our life and that we have to definitely um, be very aware of what we tell ourselves about things and what stories that we're running and what meaning we assign to things. But in moments when something upsetting happens, that doesn't mean that we bypass our humanity and our feelings around that thing, which may include fear and may include pain and sadness. And you can only truly get to the other side of that, but is by going through it. And then you can decide how you're going to see that experience, how that you're going to integrate it. And I think that, you know, people talk about social, uh, spiritual bypassing, right? Is that idea of, you know, we go right from the event to, but everything happens for a reason or something like that. And we miss the whole human impact of the event. And a lot of times there's a lot of life in that. Because like Terry was saying, like, it isn't about just being comfortable and happy and feeling good. It's the whole, the whole enchilada. It's the whole package. You get all of it. I could say what Brene Brown says, you know, you can't selectively not feel feelings that you don't want to feel. You have to feel all of them. So I'm... Hopefully that makes sense in context of what we're talking about. I find that in, in my my coaching when I do the regression therapy, uh, the regression sessions, for instance, that people oftentimes don't want to go back to incidents that brought up negative feelings, right? Like anger or fear or a lot of sadness or something. They say like, oh, I, I've looked at that before. I'm fine now. <laughs> but uh, that in itself can always shows me okay there's so much like no 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 don't don't go there. like don't don't touch it that that I can feel like, oh you that it's not yeah and you're not really fine with it right you've yes with that kind of that's that's think positive and all that you've you think you've overcome it um, but I find when you've we've really experienced it then what Terry said earlier to also about the horses but also about us when we've experienced it and we see that we've overcome a situation, right? Even a, a really terrible, very emotional situation that we were in before, we've overcome it somehow, right? We are on the other side of it. And um, and that in itself, when you when you look at it from that side, then it becomes empowering, right? You you know you've got these dark rooms in your house, but you're not just uh, closing the door and hanging heavier locks in front of it right you know okay i can open that door i can go through it and i'm fine i will walk out of, out, out of it stronger and um and so i find that this is this is the thing that when we go with these waves and when we go with these sometimes intense emotions then we can go out and we're oh i'm i'm still alive right I'm still i'm still here right and i i can deal i can work with these emotions they make me even sometimes feel more alive Right? When we just sail through life in the same kind of, oh, I'm fine, I'm fine, I'm fine, then um, that can be not just boring, but it, it uh, misses the depths that life has as well. I, to add to that real quick, I, I'm all, all my alarms go off whenever someone says, I, are, I already dealt with that about anything, right? Oh, no, I did that work. I already dealt with that because... For two reasons. One is, well, now you just set yourself up to feel bad about yourself when something hits on that bruise again. And then you go, oh, I thought I dealt with that. 
And look at me now, I'm back here again. And it's just another way to feel bad about yourself. The other aspect is, I, and I, I'm not saying this is true. This has just been my experience that we don't ever deal with something and then it's done. It may be handled or processed at the level you're at right now. But all it takes is new, a new level for you to be in a new situation, a bigger, more intense situation. And that same thing could come back up again. And if you look at it more like it's all just a big process, like the whole thing is just having intention and having your attention on your intention. And what are you choosing what are you creating and what are you manifesting and what are you allowing? And it's always going to be that self-reflection and self-discovery. It's never, you never, there's no there there, right? You're never getting there. It's all a process. And I think that when we can see it as ongoing, we can relax and not feel like we have to like check boxes and say, oh, we did this one. We did that one. We did that one. It's so true that it is a lifelong journey and pursuit of self-mastery, isn't it? Um, so, yeah, I, I find that when I work with my um, with my students being trained in shamanism and also hypnotherapy, that 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 we the horses help us to go deep, like very, very, very deep. And and we go deep um to places where um, that the body has actually stored traumas or events or something somewhere in the body, and we we try to to try to find it. And emotion is really key. Our topic today is is emotion and feelings and fear and discomfort. And unless we can unravel and and take away the layers in a continual pursuit of this self-mastery, then, then it, it will still be there. But a lot of times people or riders or horse people don't realize it's there. So you can't do anything about it if you don't realize it's there. And so the subconscious is actually in a like a push-pull between with the conscious mind. And there's that static and that discord causes um, so much anxiety and fear within people. So um, I find that with with going deep and, and getting in there and 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 trickling it, right? It's not that we you know, like a deep massage or whatever. you know, it, it's done through a trickle that um, those fears and those discomforts that we're experiencing, when we find them, then we actually embody it, right? And so it's not avoidance at all. And our horses can show us those gaps and show us those spaces that that are that are harboring those uh, those fears. So um, first of all, we need to acknowledge um, who we are. And that we're we're just human beings, and we have these feelings, and we have these traumas, and we have these these places that that have stored events, and then be open to receiving, and then embodying it. And I find that unless if if the embody part is left off, if if the feelings are not embodied in the entire physical, the emotions are not taken physically as well within movement. So we so incorporating all those things then it makes it harder for the process to happen and become resolved. Chris, can I ask you a question? When you're saying, I heard you say the words, and correct me if I got it wrong, but uh, that the emotions need to be taken on. Um, Would you clarify that a little bit? Because I know, are you talking about, you know, how people will say, You've got to uh, feel everything. And I know some people get afraid of doing that because they they think they have to relive the moment. 
and, and become that fear, you know, would you, would you clarify a little bit what you're talking about when you say, take the emotions on? Cause I, if I talk about it, I will, I would use different language, but I, I want to be clear what you're talking about before I assume what I, that I understand mm-hmm. what you're saying. Okay. Great question. Yeah. That does need clarification. Yes. Yeah, so it's not that we have to relive the experience again and, and go through the whole trauma again and take the emotion on. Um, it's, it's, it's lighter than that and more, more, more available to, to receiving whatever may come. And it does, you, know, you don't have to go back to the actual event and, and go through it. Um, I don't know. Does that help clarify? Oh, I hope so. You know, um, something that Terry said felt really good to me and actually sort of spoke to the way I function when fear comes up. And that was to um, make it familiar, like become familiar with it uh, rather than avoid it. And how, how do we, and I think that's part of what Josh, you know, Josh Nichols work is about too. Um, we, I mentioned Josh because he was originally going to be part of this conversation and um, ended up not being able to. So he'll join us another time. But um, to like to speak to what I think you're saying, Chris, it, like being available to experience what's there to the degree that I can get familiar enough so I recognize it when it's coming, which I think speaks to what Christine was saying and and Carla, but that's something that's helped me profoundly is to say, okay, I'm just going to acknowledge on a pragmatic level, I will experience fear again. I will experience discomfort somehow again. So how can I recognize it in a way where I'm not giving my power away to it, to say, oh, woe is me, fear again, but in instead to say, aha, I recognize this. I felt this before. What tools do I have? How can I approach it, right? Because for me, like when we all gathered here and each of us has our things that we're going through right now that are, you know, some of it is, is a, a mourning and loss. Some of it is, is worry for others and discomforts in this direction and that direction. I feel all of your discomforts as we're heading into this conversation. And each of them is this really familiar frequency moving through my own body. Right. But in, um, in the courage to really, um, for myself is become, you know, becoming friends with these fears because they're like, I think Christine said they each have, or maybe Carla said, I'm sorry, I forget, but um, they each have wisdom and information. So how can I get familiar with them so that if they show up again, I'm not bowled over. I, I can go, ah, Christine is speaking and in her voice, I can feel all these feels, I see it, I recognize it. And then my personal next question is, how can, what can I bring to it, right? Like like you were saying, Christine, what are you creating? To me, it's, I don't play as much with intention as I do, like, how can I bring my heart to this? What was, how would my heart respond to this? What is that space my heart would create for this? And so I'm curious how that lands in your guys's world. And does that speak to how you walk yourself through the dark forest from time to time? Yeah, that's, I like those words. Oh, sorry. Sorry. No, go ahead. I like this. Okay. I like those words, familiar frequency, um, Carrie, because sometimes it will just be a physical sensation that you can then relate to fear right it's not it's not a it's not a an event or whatever it's just a familiar frequency or a sensation and then from there once you can acknowledge it and recognize it then you can have choose tools that help you that are effective for you Mm. Mm -hmm. 
Yeah, that's, um, I was going to say too that it, remembering the tools that we have as far as what we've gained, um, I really like when someone is on a coaching call with me or something and they're saying, I, I have this interview coming up and, and this is what I'm afraid, you know, after we talk for a while, the fears come out of, of, what if I'm not good enough? What if they say I'm not qualified? What if they, you know, all of these possibilities that could happen. And so we'll just play with the game of, well, what would you like to hear? If, if you know, you could be a fly on the wall at that meeting, what would you like to hear come out of that, that interviewer's mouth? You know, like you, and they'll go, oh, well, you know, if I could make it up, I'd like them to hear that you are the best candidate ever for this you are you know anything like that you and and then they start going with the oh I didn't even think that that was a possibility because I was so lost in my fear of going down this rabbit hole and so I want to share today just simply because you mentioned Chris a, a little bit about the shamanism again and it always happens to me prior to events like this is that I will get um, like messages. So this morning when I was sitting quietly, it was really funny because I was um, in a meditation and what happened was I went to this fairgrounds and I was with a bunch of little kids. I was a little kid and we were at this fairgrounds and it was um spiritual guidance going well what if the earth plane was just like going to the fairgrounds and you get to choose your rides and what if the the ride of being human was labeled um the ride where you totally forget who you are and you totally forget the power that you have to create who you are <laughs> and uh, so there was a list of all these things that you forget when you go on this ride. And what if that's what it meant to be human was to forget the power that you have and who you actually are. And, and then we went on this ride and we got off of it and goes, that was so cool. That was so much fun. Let's go on it again. <laughs> because in our spiritual nature, we so know you know the power that we have and the um intentions that we play with to create our life and when we're going through the experience of being human it's this fun ride of just totally forgetting that <laughs> and then later going yeah that was fun <laughs> So I just wanted to share that to hopefully lighten the tone a little bit because it was it was a really funny dream and um, just seemed to fit in here. So thank you for letting me share that. Thank you for sharing it. I'm completely with you, actually. Um, I was just sharing with somebody this morning, and some people know this because it's in it's one of the chapters in my book. But my first memory is in infancy and realizing I have a hand and that's my hand and it's part of a body and I have a body again. And oh my God, I'm back. Yes. I know exactly what to do. This is going to be awesome. Right. And that has been the undercurrent literally my whole life is like, okay, how come things don't feel awesome? Cause I know they're awesome and I know everybody knows it's awesome, but why are people acting like it's not awesome? Right. And so it's been um, quite a quite a carnival ride <laughs> um, to come to the place of remembering that these frequencies and feelings, regardless of how real, I mean, it's it's all very real. You know, my child is afraid and in pain. My horse is afraid to go outside the gate. I don't know how to talk to these people. Those things are absolutely real but it doesn't mean that they have power over us once we start to remember. You know, I think that's the conversation that we get to be in is what does it take to recognize where we are 
And what do I have in my life that's helping me remember? Can I, can I let myself be aware of that? You know? And so Christine, I wonder if you have any thoughts to share, like, how do we guide others through when the feels are so strong, you know, and do we guide? What does it take? Is it always appropriate? Like, how do, how do we discern those things? Whether it's a horse or another human. Sometimes it's really easy because they show up for an appointment, right? And they're putting their hand high in the air and saying, help me, right? But there's a lot of subtlety in life. Yeah. Um, you had earlier asked the question, like, which was how do you process these things yourself, right? And now the question is, I mean, how would you help someone else if they had this something big that they were experiencing when I have a life event that would be labeled as you know a tragedy trauma loss pain I have no problem completely being immersed in that when it's happening not and, and it, there's a differentiation here, though. I I don't view it as something that shouldn't be happening, right? I don't have resistance to it. I just allow myself to feel whatever comes up and and fully. And I don't I don't self edit. I don't oh, you should, shouldn't feel that way or you, you should be doing this or you shouldn't. I just let myself ride that wave and then there's always going to be the coming down from it. And, and that's where I will sit and parse out what does this mean for me? How do I see myself in this? What is, is there a lesson in this? Maybe there is an eye out. It'll take me 10 years to see it. I may not see it right now. I may not know why this is happening right now, but I fully accept that it's happening. And I decide how I'm going to respond from that point. And I would say that's how I work with people too. I help them. My goal is to help them to be able to be okay with fully feeling how that even if they're mad even if they feel like they're being petty it, how can you get past it if you resist it right if you don't allow it to see the light of day it's just that means it stays inside of you so by being able to share all of the feelings the shadow feelings everything then you're free and you can then decide how you want to move forward so in other words, you're never actually fine. <laughs> right. There's no such thing. <laughs> There's no such thing. It's, it's, and we're, we're miserable thinking that there is such a place, right? We have this moment right now. And we should, you know, the, the thing is, is that every moment is going to be maybe different depending on the outer world. But most, most of the days, the regular days is about having full gratitude and, and connection to this moment and in this life right now. And I've had a lot of that recently. And it's funny because a lot of times that stuff comes from the fear of losing something, of something quote unquote bad happening. And then all of a sudden you're really connected to all the things that are good that's happening, all the things that have been amazing in your life. And maybe that's part of the whole cycle is it's just these things happen to make you more connected to your spirit and your purpose and, and the life that you're living in this body. Well, and am I wrong? Because I hear in in the background of that 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 Christine that the the tool that you have is in experiencing that, and yet there's an 
there's an underlying belief that the universe is working in your favor, even if you might not know what it is at that point. There is that trust there that there is a purpose or, you know, a, a, um, a, a force that is working towards your good. Absolutely. Is that correct? Absolutely. Yeah, because if somebody who didn't have that belief might not have that tool in their tool belt to go, I may not see the purpose of this and this feels really bad right now. But if they have the belief that they are the victim or that they, that things are working against them, that is true also. <laughs> you know, I mean, I, I would like to hear what you guys think about that because I think that's an important piece that underlies the um, being able to immerse yourself in the moment is uh, a connection or a belief in a higher purpose. Yeah, I, I agree. But um, I think the way I see it is that I definitely be believe and experience a a bigger force that's you know somehow like guiding or supporting no matter what's there and that doesn't necessarily mean that i think that if, if something bad happens to me that that still you know that it always will have will be turned around towards something good you know so i don't think there's a force that will intervene to turn things around for me to you know let's say that I get really sick or something, I, I don't think there's necessarily a force that will make me healthy again or something. And so I might still get sick and die or whatever. So something might still be kind of bad, um, but uh, like in the thing that I ha is happening like down here in my life. But what I definitely experience at the same time is that there still is a force there that that is with me no matter where I'm going. You know, and uh, and and that is, and that at one one level, it doesn't really matter what's happening down here to to me as a person. There is a part of me that is beyond that, right? That's kind of you know eternal or whatever, and that's that is that just keeps moving. That keeps moving in the background, and there is a force that supports that part of me, and that just that will just keep going. And so the things that are going are happening down here, I can still. I go with the waves and don't necessarily think that there's always a purpose to, <clears throat> let's say if I get sick or something, I don't necessarily think that there is a purpose to it, but, but I feel there is that force that will always be there, you know, no matter what's happening. And then the other thing that I find as well to also come back to something that Christine was saying about like the, as a coach or a friend, right? What do you do? And I find that's also, first of all, I find there's a, you need a very clear mandate from, from, especially as a friend, you know, don't try to help anybody who hasn't asked for help or that, you know, you offered help and it was very clear, do they want it or not? So I find this mandate is, is really, really important. Also as a coach, like really checking in how, you know, do I have a mandate to go? And then when, when people want you, then the readiness to go with them as well, no, no matter where it's going. You know, I go with you and I, I take people back to experiences like traumatic experiences, but they know I'm right there with them. I go through them, with them, through the motions, no matter where it's going to take us. And there is a force behind us that will just pull us back out of it, basically. So so I find that's, you know, that's that's the thing where you go with these things but you you feel supported you feel supported by a friend or a coach who goes with you but also with that force that other force that you know whatever however people experience them i i think i'm just relating to back to what terry was saying um that a lot of people don't have even the ability to tap into self-trust, let alone the ability to trust in the universe. Right? So they, they might not have that tool that Christine was talking about and, and Carla. Um, 
And so if they can't trust themselves fully, then they can't see a way to trust the universe. And so that's where, um, yeah, helping or facilitating or guiding someone along in a, in a caring way can help them to take that first step. Yeah, I love that. You know, I personally, I don't play with beliefs and believing anything good or bad, or I don't play with beliefs. What I would, what I've been guided along my journey to, to do. And, um, I do my best to share with others is, you know, if the fear happens and that overwhelm comes, um, I've learned to, to challenge it. You know, like we were saying a little bit ago, like, yep, this could have this bad thing could happen. It could be all of these really difficult to deal with out of my comfort zone, maybe even beyond my understanding discomforts. But let's challenge that. I wonder if those are the only options. What other options might there be? Right. And to to start, I I don't even know how I started. I think I was kind of kamikaze with it because I didn't really find another option other than just to say, well, I could be scared to death, but I wonder if I don't have to be. And, you know, I could be scared to speak with a group of people on a podcast, right? Because they might not like me. I I might not be popular. Um, I might say something stupid. I might not be able to speak at all. Okay. Those are options, but I wonder what else is an option. And literally just that wondering what else might be there. You don't even have to list it or label it, but just the wondering, okay, I acknowledge. Yes, that person's uncomfortable and I can feel all of it. Yes, I'm uncomfortable because I want to change it. Yes, I want them to feel better. Yes, I want my horse to feel better. Yes, I want my dog to not have pancreatic cancer. I don't know. But to to see it for what it is, which is a fear, a possibility just seeing it for the moment opens the space so that I can go, okay, so I wonder what else could happen. It could heal. I could be okay. I could say something wise. I could ask a question, right? And it's on, on the mental level, the one that wants to grab onto the fear that can seem ridiculous, like too simple, like, no, that's, that couldn't possibly get me anywhere. But I challenge that too. Like, okay, but what if I try, I wonder how it's going to feel. I wonder what's going to happen, you know, and to create that self-trust in that self or that, that trust in universal frequencies or creator energies or higher consciousness I've found that honestly working at this pragmatic level of understanding is one of the dark forests we get to go through in order to create that trust. And that's honestly how I work with myself now. If, you know, I, I, I'm afraid of whatever I'll, I'll look at that and go, okay, yep, there it is. There's that familiar fear and maybe I'll suck, but, but, what if, what if something else happens? What if something cool happens? What do I want to show up for? What am I contributing to? It reminds me of, um, of a, I believe it's a a Native American um, saying, you know, where two wolves show up and one is the dark wolf that is going to eat you or kill everybody. And the other is the white wolf that's going to save the day. And, and, which one is going to win if they get in a fight, which one's going to win. And the answer is the one that you feed, right? There's so many sayings and tools and wisdom out there. What happens if we actually start challenging the stuff that doesn't work for us by stepping toward the things that seem awesome and just try it out? I mean, how else do you create self-trust? Is there, is there another way? What do you, what do you guys think? That's the only way that I knew how to, to learn, to trust in air quotes, trust myself by giving myself an opportunity to be there 
with love for myself. Mm -hmm. Um, I have something to add to that. I might go a little bit off topic slightly, but, or not. One of the core reasons I think that people struggle with self-trust is that when you grow up in a home that, for lack of a better term, let's say the home that you grow up in is not healthy. So maybe there is addiction, maybe there is mental health issues that uh, cause a lot of trauma. When you have to live in other people's heads and nervous systems to be able to know how to survive, to be able to be aware of what's happening so that you can make decisions for your safety, your own head and your own nervous system are last on that list. So developing self-trust and even a real deep connection to the self doesn't really happen because the focus is on the others, the others that are in control and make the decisions. And to be able to get that back or, or to really grow that means that you have to become okay with making decisions that are wrong. A lot of times people that don't have self-trust struggle with making decisions because they're terrified that they're going to make the wrong one. And the and doing the wrong thing has an oversized consequence in their mind. And so being able to, even when it's not comfortable, start making decisions, start with little ones and make them. And you will make ones that turn out to maybe not have been the best decision. Wouldn't be the wrong decision, but maybe not the best. And you see that life goes on and everything, the world keeps moving and everything's okay. And then you can turn around and make a different decision and the nothing fell apart. And then you start to build it from there. And I think this is something that um, I see this a lot. And the only way to really build that self-trust is to start to challenge the beliefs that keep you stuck by making little small step-by-step -step choices that go, even though this is scary and uncomfortable, I'm gonna make, and I mean, just start small. That's not the big stuff. Like, should I leave my husband or, you know, do I move across the country? But, you know, maybe it's what car you buy. It's something simple, right? Anyway. That's, you know, that's beautiful, Christine, in, in that, um... It's not off topic at all. If I can bring that, but I would, I'm so glad this is being recorded because I would take what you just said and apply it to horse training of where we are today with horses, because that's what we've done in the past to our horses is made them live in our heads of what is, how is this person going to react and how, are, you know, how do I please them and how do I so much so that they are terrified or have no self-trust in making their own decisions anymore and now it's it's gone back to this beautiful place of let them make mistakes let them you know be there with them through it and 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 you know say yeah it's it's okay you're you survived you're you know so just take and replay everything christine just said <laughs> And apply and it then, to horses. <laughs> yeah, and apply it to horses because that's that's the huge um shift that's happening right now of of horse training or animal training, any kind of training went to this place of putting the child, the animal in the position of having to fear for their survival and so therefore having to be in the head of the person they were around and that person became un an unsafe person to be around because they couldn't be in their head 
Mm -hmm. right? I mean, the horse couldn't be in the person's head. And so it just became an unsafe um, uh, relationship. And and I, I believe that that's what is shifting so much right now in in um in parenting in in you know is this role of mentorship of of take care of your own emotions and your own being and then let the horse do the same let them you know be their own entity <laughs> and honor that and then you guys can come together and work as a team so you didn't know you were such a good horse trainer, did you, Christine? <laughs> I, I have to tell you, though, almost brilliant. Day, we talk about, I go, yeah, like the horses, you know, the pressure, the, everything just goes. It, it's so crazy how everything that you're working on with humans is uh, is oftentimes just a complete parallel to horses. Absolutely. Yeah. I loved that there was a psychiatrist or psychologist who raised his children. He didn't, he never asked them what, how, what good grades they got at school or, you know, the normal things that people, you know, the whole idea is to get the right answer. Every day they had to come home and tell him what they tried and failed at that day. Mm. He would applaud them. Can you imagine the resilience that we would have as human beings if we were raised to try things and fail at them and not be afraid of doing that? That that is the goal is to not be, not that you, you may not fail at everything, you may actually do well, but you're willing to do that. That's what's applauded. It brings me back to the whole idea of living life by standards and judgments, you know, trying to either go for a positive negative or avoid a positive negative. I think mean, it's so deeply ingrained in the autopilot of Western society anyway. I mean, clearly there are going to be cultures on the planet that are not organized this way, right? But when thought patterns are um, all geared to bounce off of one extreme or another to try to know who I am. It's just not the way you watch all of nature work, you know, non-human life relates to itself and each other, but it's not going, you know, the tree is not saying, oh, damn it, that nut that fell was supposed to be for this squirrel and not that squirrel, you know, when we're, there's no, there's no real hoarding um, in a, in a healthy natural system and human society has built itself, you know, largely out of necessity because of the way, um, a, a dominant, e dominant focused egoic structure has organized society, right? Our psyches have, have this default mechanism, like we started talking about of avoiding discomfort and trying always to succeed. So, so there isn't a, a, a removal of resources or a removal of love, you know, and, and yet our hearts keep taking us back to that feeling of feeling held and embraced, whether it's by a higher power, which yes, yeah, I walk around feeling embraced all day, every day. Um, but that doesn't mean there's no discomfort. It means discomfort for me, discomfort's familiar. And I can go, ah, okay. And then it becomes informative rather than destructive. So it's, there's so many different ways to talk about and point toward freedom from that servitude to discomfort. Like when we're always afraid of discomfort, we're actually living in, in servitude to it, to try to avoid it, you know, how, how have you guys become more familiar with ease? Because I know, like we started, some of us are actually right in the throes of various discomforts of our family in pain or grief or difficulties. But that doesn't negate the existence of ease and 
gratefulness and amazingness and love. Like what, it, how do you, how, how do you guys relate then to the beauty of life, even when things are uncomfortable? I think uh, choices is our path to freedom. As you were saying a bit earlier, Carrie, um, <laughs> that that challenging the uh, the fear or the uncomfortableness or the the expectation of death or whatever it might be, if we are open to seeing that we can actually. It doesn't maybe need have to feel that way. We can challenge it and maybe we have a choice to look at it as a, in a different way, a different perception. And we, we make, we have the ability to make the choice in the first place so that it's not a dead end and it's not uh, a finite place. So I think that's how I, I see the joy always is that everything's changing, everything's transitioning. Um, if freedom is to, is the ability to have the choice and see that there are choices other than what we might be seeing at the moment, there are others there and we just need to be open and available and those words again to see that. Mm. I think for me too, it's a real uh Carrie, you spoke to it earlier, the the familiarity of um the different feels, like like when I'm in fear, whatever is oh, I recognize this feeling and where do I feel it in my body and what does it feel like? And then the freedom of choice that comes in of of where can I put my attention or focus to get to go, ah, that feels better. Ah, oh, that just helped me to breathe. Oh, I just noticed a, an open, spacious feeling. That I, the the way that we're hardwired, our emotions are such a phenomenal tool. Once we become really in tune to them, of oh, this doesn't feel very good. That means that my mind is somehow off track. What are some other choices that I have? to think about or to focus on and immediately in my body, my feels will change and go, ah, that's better. Now I'm back on track or back in coherence, you know, between my heart and my mind. It's, it's back to Carrie, you always say of the, the mind being in service of the heart and, and the mind is just an amazing tool once you're really in tune to your feelings of of being, oh, that doesn't feel very good, you know, and I recognize it. And, you know, I can I can choose to stay in that feeling right now if I want to, because there's nothing wrong with it. And I can also choose other things that feel differently. So I have the choice always to navigate through this frequency system of emotions and feelings in my body. And I just, I think it's just an amazing ride. <laughs> I'm going to go again. <laughs> For me, it's also always like, how much do I want something? And when I really want something, then I do not let the fear stop me. You know, then it's it's like, okay, I want this. And and then fear might bubble up somewhere, but it's not even I'm not even looking or listening because this is you no know, kind of single focus. This is this is what I want. And I don't care if I'll be afraid or something. I, I want to I want that thing. I want to do it. Right. Like you know, when I when I took my my trip in in Africa in the Sahara and I had this one choice to 
to do something very crazy. And I was just like, I want to do this. And if this is the last thing I do in my life, that's the thing I'm going to do. And um, yeah, I mean, it was uh, suicidal, but <laughs> but uh, lucky, lucky to get out of that. But uh, it was just, I wanted this. And then, yes, the fear was kind of whispering somewhere, but it was so far away because I just wanted this one thing. I wanted to experience that. I wanted to live that. So I find that that's, that's often the case. So when things, when things come up and opportunities come up and I just know I want that. Yes. And then, you know, don't let fear stop you. That's, that's always what I, I'm, I've been after. I love that. I love it. Mm -hmm. I would say in answer to the question that I remember you asking do you remember the question because I said a couple of them but go ahead whichever one you like <laughs> the way I took it was like how do you um you know how do you get to ease right that was the thing about the question was how do you take life's you know, ups and downs and how do you get ease? Like, how do you and, remember that that's an option? Like what helps you remember that that's even an option? I think that uh, what's worked really well for me is just a radical acceptance of whatever is in the moment to just accept it because so much energy gets wasted on railing against what what already is and if you can accept it it doesn't mean that accept it doesn't mean that you're laying down your sword and your you know now doormat it means you, you could get a diagnosis but accepting it doesn't mean you accept what's going to happen according to the medical standards or anything you can accept the diagnosis and then go out and find the choices. Like Chris said, what choices do you want to make in regards to that? As, as opposed to feeling like it's happening to you and that you're resisting that it's actually and why me and all of that. And maybe you need to go through that to get to the other side, right? But it's a lot of energy goes into resisting what's actually happening where you can pivot really smoothly into now what choices am I going to make now that this thing actually has happened. Mm. And that's where the, e I find a lot of ease in that because the, to me, the opposite of ease is resisting what is actually happening in my life. Mm -hmm. Totally with you. My goodness. We're, we're at our hour now everybody and i'm so sorry to say <laughs> because like right here i would want to scoop in uh barbara schulte because she has incredible experience and wisdom to add um to what you just brought forward christine and um thank you thank you everybody um any last words before we close our chat for today is there anything else anybody'd like to to say or add or drop a seed for our next conversation? I would just say that I am in deep awe and respect of, of every one of you on this podcast today. And it's always a joy to be able to even have these conversations with you, but with you all. So thank you for having me here. Thank you, Christine. Thanks for showing up today. It would be so great to go deeper and longer and <laughs> go further into this, wouldn't it? Because uh, what, what Christine just, and answering that question, what helps you remember ease is an option is, is really super interesting. Um, and just one last thing is, is, is comprehending and understanding hum that it's there it's there for us right it's it's it, it, when when all goes bad you know like when my horse was tragically killed i that's what i i went to that there there's hum right it's there it's happening and 
so many things had to align for this to happen at this moment. And if I can just see that there are choices other than, oh, poor me or my poor horse or whatever, just to bring it back to horses. Um, yeah, and, and uh, dealing with horses and colic and all those things that happened, they're tragic as well. Yeah. Thank you, Chris. Maybe that's where we'll pick up our next conversation. That's actually a really good idea. (laughs) (laughs) Thank you. Amazing. Thank you guys so very much. It is an honor to spend time with you and get to hear you all. So um, thank you for today. And um, we'll play again soon for sure. Thanks, Carrie.